year I turned 40, and um, 30 years ago, or 30 years ago, on my 30th birthday, 30 years ago I was 10, okay, so on my 30th birthday, Tanya threw me a surprise party, and um, it was my favorite party that I've ever had, um, it was 1986, since I was born in 1980, we had a Rubik's Cube cake, like it was there were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles there. It was, it was so awesome. My brother flew in from Boston. We went to Illinois. I didn't know he was going to be there. It was so much fun. Um, but it was planned. And so we are planning. Some of the things that you do to plan a good birthday party, 
tell you that we all, you all, there's a digital form on your, if you have a Bible app on your cell phone, and if you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can join me with, um, for all of today's notes um, in the YouVersion Bible app, and you can follow along there. I want to talk to you this morning about uh, the topic of generosity. big idea today is this, and, and, and the theme for our birthday, the theme for our birthday is, um, is this far by faith. We've come this far by the faith that God has given us to get here, but this morning's big idea is this, that we've come this far by faith, but if we're going to endure, we're going to do it with generosity. If we're going to last as a church, as a person, we last by generosity. Last week I talked about living a legacy, the legacy that we live through our kids. Well, I was talking last week about a family legacy, living a family legacy. But this morning I'm talking about us as individuals. The way that we leave a legacy is by the way that we love and the way that we give. The way that we love and the way that we give. And so if we're going to last, if we're going to continue, in December, the church down the street from here celebrated 275 years as a church. 275 years. That should be applauded. Like, that's incredible. I Yes, come on. We can cheer other churches. If the refuge is going to last for 275 years, the way that it's going to do it is by generosity, by giving to the community by giving to others. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the way that we last as a church next Sunday. But ladies and gentlemen, this is what I love about God's word. Is even though I can address it as a church in general, as a whole, it applies to each and every single one of us individually. It helps me individually. It helps all of us. And so this morning, I'm, we're looking at a story in John chapter 12 about this woman by the name of and her story is, is incredible because it's a story of immense generosity. 
we're going to laugh, if we're going to enjoy, we have to learn to share. Now, I know that a lot of us live by the concept of, Pastor Adam, I would give if I had more. Because I, I fall in that sometimes. I would, I would be generous if I had more money. Everybody, everybody agrees with that. The problem is the church asks people to give, but it doesn't teach people how to live responsibly. And so some of the things that I'm going to talk about today, I want you to know that God wants us to steward our money well enough to where we are able to give because we have what's known as the margin. We have a gap between what we need and what we have. So we have to learn to live with margin so that we can be generous. Now, God asked us to give to him first. So we have to, we have to learn to give to God first, and then we can be generous with the margin that he gives us. Now, in this story, it amazes me because we don't know how much margin this lady has. We just know that she has this jar of perfume that is worth a lot of money. I want to read the story for you, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. It's in John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in a town called Bethany. Now, Jesus was very familiar with Bethany because Bethany was where one of his best friends that wasn't a disciple lived. His name was Lazarus. It continues and it says, the home of Lazarus, the man that he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. And Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate. Listen, if I go to dinner with a man that I rose from the dead, I'm going to tell everybody that he was with me. Like, like if there was a, if you ate dinner, if you go to lunch with somebody that was one time dead, you're going to tell everyone that you ate with him and that he was there. Now, this story about Mary, one of the things that's confusing about the Bible is that one story can be told three different ways, like, or four different ways. And so we're going to look at the story in the book of John. This is the way John remembers the story. This is, John was, was there, and he wrote about it in, the book, in his book called John. But then we're going to look at another guy's account or version of the story by the name of Mark. So the Bible goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? So go to John, the fourth book, and then go back to the second book, Mark, and, and then we're going to put your finger there. We're going to go back to that. And so I, I just, I want to I, I make sure everybody knows where they are in their Bibles, because I, I want you to know that it's not a story that I came up with. It's a story that is, that, that is written about. And, and so we're reading this story that... Lazarus was there for this dinner. Now, in John chapter 11, 
John 11.35 is the shortest book in all the Bible that says Jesus wept. And the reason Jesus wept was because his friend Lazarus had died. And so, in John chapter 11, the, the chapter just before, Lazarus was a dead man. And now he's eating dinner with Jesus and the other guy. And Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, we know because of John chapter 11. They were his sisters. It goes on. In verse 3. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. Doesn't sound very good, does it? Sounds more like lard to me. The essence of nard was a perfume that was made in the Himalayas. It was a very expensive perfume. Mark says that it's worth 300 denarii. A denarii oftentimes was a day's worth of wage in the Bible. And so Mark also goes on to say that 300 denarii was a full year's worth of wage. That's a lot of money. Like some people think that if it were to translate to today, which it really doesn't because of the monetary values and things like that, but if it were to translate to today, it would be worth somewhere around $55,000. That's a lot of money. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Look at your other neighbor and say, I got more. Carry on in verse 3. It says, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. So she's got this expensive jar of perfume that's worth a year's wage. And she takes the jar and she just dumps it on Jesus' feet. Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with fragrance. Everyone could smell it. I love that. Like, all of a sudden, like, they're cooking food. The Bible doesn't say the, the Bible was, or the, the house was filled with fragrance of the, the food, it says it was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. As soon as she opened that bottle, everyone could smell it. And the entire house knew that it had been opened. And all of a sudden, everyone turns their attention to Jesus, to Mary. Verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple, who would soon betray him said, that perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and given to the poor. Notice the heart of Judas. He wants you to think that he's got good intentions. It should have been sold and given to the poor, but look what it says after that. It says, not that he cares for the poor. The Bible tells us Right after he says it should have been sold and given to the poor, the Bible tells us exactly where his heart was. The poor who could know Anytime someone criticizes us, it's important to know where their heart is. Not that he cared. He didn't care.
Bible calls you a thief, you're, you're a bad dude. Like, I don't want to hang out with you. Satan a thief in John chapter 10 and verse 10. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but oftentimes Satan robs us in ways. He, he makes us think that there's good intentions, but really his intent is to rob us of what God has for us. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often would take some for himself. I know. I think it's interesting that Jesus put the thief in charge of the money. <laughs> like, Jesus knew he was a thief. Jesus knew everything about him. But he let him take care of the money. Why would he do that? Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. And you think that God looks down on you. And he doesn't love you. He doesn't trust you. And he thinks he thinks about you. All he thinks about you is judgment. Listen, this is the guy that put the thief in charge of the money. he cared for the thief because he wanted to give him an opportunity he wanted to give him a chance and he looks at each and every one of us and he does the exact same thing he put the thief in charge of the money This woman, Mary, comes before Jesus, and she breaks open this jar of perfume. Why does she do it? She does it as an act of worship. She does it because she loves him, and because all she had. And ladies and gentlemen, oftentimes we look at it and we go, it was all she had. It was worth a year's worth of wage. It was a lot. She had a lot. But she gave it all to Jesus. She knelt down at his feet and she broke open the bottle. A lot of scholars will tell you that this particular jar of perfume was only able to be opened one time. And she broke it open and she poured it out on his feet and she wiped it with her hair. She didn't even have a towel to wipe it with. But she opened the jar of perfume and she poured it out as an offering of worship. And this was generous. There's a lot of theory about and a lot 
lot of opinions, I should say. There's a lot of opinions about worship today, worship music, and worship the way we do it in churches and that sort of thing. In fact, I saw a, a, someone from college on social media this week, um, like just kind of bashing some worship music and the way that it is done. And, and you know, there's just a lot of opinions about it. What it, what worship boils down to is who it is for. And if it is 100% for Jesus, listen, there are things that I do for my wife that benefit my kids. And so when we pour it all out for Jesus, it also benefits other people. And when we pour out our worship for Jesus and we sing his praise, it will benefit those around us. And so we can't just write it off and say it's not 100% for Jesus because it's benefiting other people. Our worship will benefit other people. And so this act of worship, this act of worship is pouring out love You know, I think love oftentimes inspires us to do some pretty extravagant things, don't you? Like, I think back of when I fell in love with my wife. I did some pretty silly and extravagant things for her. I thought that I liked her, and so, uh, and I did like her. So I was I was attending college in, in Boston um, for a quick class, and so I got her phone number, and uh, I don't know how I did that. That was a miracle, number one. Um, but I got her phone number, and, and on my way home to Illinois, where I live, I, I had a flight from Providence to, to Chicago and then to St. Louis, and, and so when I got to Chicago, I called her. Like, why, why are you calling me now? I'm like, I'm in Chicago. She's like, yeah, so? I just wanted you to know. And she was like, oh. <laughs> and that was the beginning. I got I got to St. Louis, and I called her again. And my, and my parents were there. They were like, who's he talking to? He's different. He likes somebody. And so that began. drove all the way across country for me and my family for Thanksgiving. And we loved each other. And then I moved 1,500 miles away from Illinois to Boston because I loved her that much. Just to be close to her. Love causes us to do some pretty extravagant things. Love not perish but have 
everlasting life. God's love for you inspired him to do something extremely extravagant. And that action was to give. And this woman, Mary, felt the love of a Savior, the love of Jesus, and it inspired her to give as well. I believe that the love of God in our lives inspires us to give to this day because when we give, we are never more like God. We're never more like Jesus than when we give because he gave his life for us. She gave a lot. It was a year's worth of wage. But there was this guy in the room by the name of Judas. And Judas was a bully. Judas was trying to bully his way into the story. Judas was a thief. But he wanted to look good, so he said, that could have been sold and given to the poor. To look good. Satan will do everything that he can to rob you of things that God has for you. You see, Judas, I I can't can't help but to picture him in the story going, wait, what is she doing? What does she have? What is what is she wait? Don't do that. Don't wait. robbing us of what God has for us, for them. And I, I even hesitate to use examples like this because I know that it's close to a lot of you. But oftentimes Satan convinces us that we care for our families by spending time with them. Even if it's spending time with our family outside of church. And spending time with them on Sunday morning. Listen, my... My family needs me on Sunday morning. You need to be in the presence of God. Because that's where you grow. And Satan will convince us that when we spend time with our family, even if it's away from church, that it's good for them. It is good for them, but it's not the best for them. Because the best for them is spending in time in God's word with God's people, fellowshipping with each other, knowing how to find freedom with one another, serving God together, and making a difference in this world. Don't let Satan convince you that something is is good, is good enough. Listen, some of you are are chewing on hamburger when God intends you to, to be eating on filet mignon. Does that make sense? No? I'm going to move on past that. That was a bad example. It wasn't in my notes. Stick to my notes. Stick to my notes. Stick to my notes. You get what I'm saying? You can have better. 
six, but Jesus replied, leave her alone. <laughs> you see, Judas was a, was a bully, but Jesus stepped in and said, no, 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 you shut up, you leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached, pay attention to this. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. I love it. Jesus steps in and he says, you leave her alone. What Mary did was extravagant. She released what she had. She let it go for Jesus. And I think I, I learned three things about generosity from this, this story that I want to give you. And then I want to look at each character real quickly, real quickly, and then we'll be done. The first thing that I see about generosity in this story is number one, generosity or giving, giving changes Giving changes the atmosphere. If you challenge, like, if you want to challenge this, I got a challenge for you. Think of that person at work that you're, you'll go to work with tomorrow morning, the one that, like, you can't, like, you really hope that he calls in sick tomorrow, right? That one. The one that, the one that, like, just makes it a bear for you to be with. The one that, that you just know doesn't like you. Start, start giving them. Just start giving things for them, and see if their attitude towards you changes. Because, ladies and gentlemen, generosity changes the atmosphere, and it will change the attitude of those that you give things up. Generosity changes the atmosphere. I can't help but to picture as Mary comes in, and, and she got the jar of perfume, and, and she opens it, and she breaks it up, and she, she pours it on Jesus' feet, and Judas, just amazed at what's going on, and, and the, the thoughts of criticism that enter Judas' mind, what is she doing? What is she doing? Oh, no, she didn't. You see, generosity changes the atmosphere, but the second thing I see about generosity is it's often criticized. It's often criticized. It's not always criticized, but it's often criticized. You gave how much to the church last year? What were you thinking? Do you realize what you could have bought with that? Do you realize what you could have done with that money? You gave how much to that organization? Chaya and I, uh, over the last three years, we 
baptized a few times and listened to the sentence that was made about the rest of the church. And we've learned to always ask these questions when it comes to thoughts of criticism. We always ask the question, is it coming from a critical eye or a critical heart? And, and anytime someone criticizes you, let me teach you that question. Is it coming from a critical eye or a critical heart? If a person cares about you, it'll come from a critical eye and not a critical heart. But if they only care about their intentions and they only care about their agenda, then it will come from a critical heart because they have a motive. Judas had a critical heart, ladies and gentlemen. He wants you to think that his heart is good. He's going to give it to the poor. But his heart says he's a thief. So anytime, anytime someone criticizes a gift that you give, ask yourself, is it coming from a critical eye or a critical heart? One of the things that I said earlier is that God wants us to be wise with our money. He wants us to be stewards. And I hesitate using this example because it involves me and it involves the church, but it's the best example that I have for you. And it's a story about someone that one time came to the church and gave us a, a pretty large check. Um, it was it was thousands of dollars, I can tell you that much. And um, I looked at the person that gave it to us, and I knew that they didn't have a ton of money. And and I went to them and I I took the check with me and I said, "Where's this money coming from?" And they said, "You know, I just." God was telling me that I need to just give it all. And I need to give all that's in my savings to you. And I looked at this person and I said, do you have anything else in your savings account? And they said, no. I said, okay. Now let's talk about this. Because I don't want to rob you of the blessing that God wants to give to you, but I also want you to be wise with what you have. more about you than about your money. And she she looked at me and she was like, thank you so much. And she just started bawling. She gave me a hug. And I said, I said, listen, maybe God just wanted to show you that what you do when you let it go is what he does when you let it go. Was I critical of her gift? Yes, I was. As her pastor, it was my job to be critical of her gift. I wasn't critical of her. It was my eyes that I was critical with, not my heart. Be wise. God still wants you to be wise. But he is
given you margin, then you should be the most generous person on the face of the earth. There are three characters in this story. And I want to look at some of the choices that each one of them made, and then we'll be done. The first character, I want to I skip Mary, and I want to go to Judas. Judas made some decisions. The first decision that he made was to try to control things. Judas tried to control things. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that generosity doesn't say I got to control it. That's not generous. When you say, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars, but let me tell you how to spend it. (laughs) That's not generous. Judas tried to control it. He's saying, he said, you could have sold it and given it to the poor. He was trying to control where the money would have gone. He already had, he already thought, he wanted you to think that he knew where it was going to go. He was going to give it to the poor. He was going to do something good with it, like put it in his pocket. He tried to control it. The second thing I see about Judas is he was a, he was a complainer. He complained about it. You're going to do what with that money? It wasn't his. He complained about it. The third thing I see about Judas is he was a consumer. He just wanted it for himself. Because we know that he was a thief. He was a consumer. He hung around Jesus all this time. And all he did was take, 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 take. Ladies and gentlemen, selfishness is a disease that 100% of the world's population has. And that's why we need the antidote of generosity in our lives. Because it allows us to go from selfish to a legacy. We're going to talk about it next week. Judas was a consumer with no legacy. His life ended tragically, and whenever Judas is mentioned, he's known as the betrayer. The legacy that no one wants. The second character in the story is the the character known as Mary. The one with the jar of perfume. Mary didn't cling to what she had. She let it go. Mary first characteristic, the first choice that she made was to care. You see, everyone else around her was busy, 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 getting ready for dinner, getting everything prepared. Everyone's running all around the house. But Mary notices Jesus and she looks at him and she cares. And with a jar of perfume, she cared. I love how caring she is. The second thing I see about Mary, the choice that she made was she made a choice to contribute. She contributed to Jesus' feet. She contributed with what she had. She had open hands. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't give you anything. I can't give you anything if, if your hands are holding on to what you have. 
I'm going to give you anything, if I try to give you something and your hands are holding on to something, I can't give it to you. But if I have my hands open and I'm not holding on to it, then your hands are open and I can give back to you. And that's how God looks at us. He can't give back to us if all we're doing is holding on to what we have. But when we live life with open hands saying, God, what I have is yours, there are open for him to pour out and pour out abundantly. Because that's exactly what he does. He pours out abundantly. Mary cared. She was a contributor. And lastly, she created a legacy. She chose to create a legacy. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says this. It says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before the Father in heaven. You see, as Mary came to Jesus and she poured out, she's acknowledging Jesus. She's giving him everything that she has. She's acknowledging him. And God promised to us is when we pour out to him, he acknowledges before God in heaven that we were his. In the book of Mark, it says, whenever the good news is talked about, she is talked about and discussed. People talk about her. Anytime we talk about Jesus dying on the cross, we are referring to his generosity when him giving to us. And God said that anytime we talk about God's generosity, we talk about her generosity. Because she is a picture of who Jesus is. And ladies and gentlemen, I always want to be a picture of who Jesus is. And if I'm going to be a picture of him, I have to learn to be generous. Finally, we see Jesus and his response. This is my last point this morning. Jesus' response to her was to stand up for her. You see, when she poured out and Judas said, what are you doing? He said, leave her alone. And I don't know about you, but I need God to stand up for me in my life. Every single day. And the way that we allow God to stand up for us is by giving to him. By pouring it out to him. By telling him, whatever you want, God, it's yours. Take it. I'm all yours. Jesus says, I'll stand up for you. I'll stand in the gap for you. I'll, I'll stand before God someday and I'll tell him about you. Because you gave to me. And then he goes on from standing up for her to giving her a legacy that's talked about today. We're talking about this woman today because of what she did. Stand to your feet. I want you to come in and bow to God's hands. My iPad made it. Maybe you're here this morning and
You say, Pastor Adam, that's great, but I don't have much. I don't have much to give. That's all right. God has given you everything that you need. All he asks is for your heart. You don't need a lot. all that God wants is your heart. And the reason we know that he is worthy of giving him our hearts is because he gave to us first. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The only son that he had you so that you can give him your heart. That's all he wants. But you see, Judas was a thief. God is not. God's not going to saying them, so don't say them if you don't believe them. Say, all I ask is that you, you actually say them. Don't, don't, just, don't just say them in your head. Like, say them, whisper them out loud. I come to you, and I know you gave me so much. And because you gave, so that you can receive it. And so God, I ask that you would forgive me of the sin in my heart so that you can receive it. Help me to live differently. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, all I ask is that you just fill it out on the back of the card, drop it in the black box on your way out because we want to celebrate you. Would you celebrate that this morning? Come on. You've got a hand. Got a hand. We're going to sing a song.